You don't have to be a machine learning engineer to help make the future a smarter place. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Balchunas. Remember that time that ETFs, uh, we had we suddenly have Bitcoin ETFs? What's the what's the other side of that been like for you? Is it a big come down, Eric? A little. I phased out slowly, Joel. I didn't want to go cold turkey, right? So, I in fact, I was telling uh, somebody, somebody like, oh, what are the stats for day 11? And I'm like, look, I'm, I'm phasing out now. Go track this other site. I'm going to point out things that are interesting, but I'm not doing like a daily look at the race every day. Uh, these ETFs are up and running. Um, by all measures, it was a fantastic success, although it's been a little clouded. The GBTC outflows have kind of made this an interesting launch. It's not, you know, launch is just all volume is inflows. Here you have this unlock of GBTC. So it's been a, a complicated launch with 11 of them, but largely I would say it's successful. BlackRock and Fidelity leading the way, ARK and Bitwise having a lot of success. Um, we're talking already in the billions of dollars after two weeks. It's pretty good. So now I'm, you know, I got to work on my Vanguard primer. I've got to do this uh, ETF survey we did and we're starting to phase out a bit from it, but it still is going to be probably like uh, one of the biggest stories of the year as we roll into you know the spring and summer for sure. So one thing we haven't done is talk to a financial advisor about any of this. Who'd you bring today? Yeah, I thought we just all issuers, and I've been going out on media when this was uh, coming up, and I've been saying that a target market of this launch is the advisor world. And advisors manage $30 trillion. I mean, they control all of the boomer money in America pretty much, and that's largely who these ETFs are aimed at and advisors love ETFs. They trust them. They like the low fees. And so we should talk to somebody who actually uses them or doesn't use them and has to sort through which one to pick. And the guy we have with us is Douglas Bonaparte. And he is a Twitter celebrity, I think, an ex-celebrity. Twitter sounds better still. I got to be honest. Okay. He's a Twitter celebrity. If you haven't followed him, his self-deprecating tweets are really funny. Like he's And he's just got... He's a human on Twitter, you know, and it's nice. And he's um, a good advisor. He's part of what I would call the big long advisors. These are advisors who are the opposite of the big short people. They don't see bubbles and everything, but rather they see the optimism in everything. And they're trying to get their clients just to hang in there so the magic of compounding can kick in. So in my opinion, they're part of the sort of new generation of just, just hang in there, keep costs low, let the magic happen, advisors. Okay. Joining us this time, Douglas Bonaparte. He's the president and founder of Bonafide Wealth. This time on Trillions, a little Bitcoin in that portfolio. Douglas, welcome to Trillions. Happy to be here. Okay, so um, I want to talk about uh, how you speak with clients, but we want to start with this Bitcoin thing. Like, yeah. at what point did you start telling folks, now's the time to actually do this? And how is that conversation different today than it was a year ago? Oh, it's still happening very, very slowly, almost in real time. Uh, when those ETFs debuted, 
I was the first person to place a trade in my own account just to see what this would be like. Do, do we have discretionary on these, you know, discretion on these trades? Um, do they need to be mark solicited? Um, I noticed that I needed to mark my first trade as unsolicited. And that prompted a call like, hey, what, what can we do with this? And the answer was, we're having conversations around this. So take that for what it is. I mean, you have wirehouses, you have broker dealers, you have everybody starting to develop their policy around this. And I don't think anyone really did anything until it actually debuted. The skepticism that was out there, what, you know, why, why move resources around or have these conversations until we know we can actually put them inside a brokerage account. But just explain the solicited, unsolicited. Yeah. Just, just break down what that means. Absolutely. So in my world, if you're managing money on behalf of a client, you have three ways that you can go about placing orders. The first one, let's go with discretion. That means the advisor has the ability to place buy or sell orders as they please. They don't need to call the client and say, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do. We have discretion. Makes sense. If not, you have unsolicited versus solicited. Solicited means that the broker or the, in this case, advisor is going out to their clients to say, hey, I think this should be in your account. Can I place this trade? And they would say, yeah, I want that versus unsolicited. That's the other way around. Client calls you, hey, buy me uh, 100 shares of Microsoft. That was an unsolicited. So what they're saying, and for the longest time for broker dealers that would allow there to be something in this case Grayscale. That, that was one of the very few options that you would see allowed inside a brokerage account that was compatible. A lot of broker dealers would say, you can't go out to your client and say, hey, you know, I recommend that you put, let's say, Grayscale in your portfolio. They would have to call you and say, I want exposure to Bitcoin. And you would say, okay, well, the only option I have here are these tools. And then you would take that order. Maybe even have to sign some paperwork or do a little bit of disclosure here. That's And, and that's a function of the compliance offices who are naturally skittish around cryptocurrencies. What about having conversations with uh, your clients? And you know, this looks like a pretty risky asset yeah. with no real meaningful uh, applications yet. Uh, how do you balance that as somebody who's got the you know fiduciary responsibilities that you do? So I think you have a fiduciary responsibility to educate your clients if they're asking about this. And unless you are living under a rock over the last, let's say, five to seven years, um, and your I don't know how your clients weren't asking about crypto or Bitcoin. And I think it's our job to educate them. And most compliance offices, again, are like, hey, don't touch this with a 10-foot pole. I mean, that that's a tough spot to be in, right? So here I am wanting to educate, but you might be told, hey, don't don't talk about this. That's number one. Now comes the product, right? And I think banks and institutions are still trying to figure that out. Um, I'm not going to put myself in the position that I was like, hey, I can't wait for this to come out so we can just start to load portfolios with it. It's probably more the stance of, all right, when this is kosher, right, and we get approval to do what we want to do, let's say, have discretion, how can we build models or integrate this into our risk-adjusted portfolio so that we could offer clients, hey, are you educated on this? Is this something you want? We're now offering portfolios that maybe have a 5% allocation. That data is out there. I mean, we've got 10 plus years of data on Bitcoin to see, and almost like any brochure from I remember Grayscale having one. What would happen if you added one to up to 5% of Bitcoin on an 80-20 or 60-40 portfolio? Those results were pretty compelling. I mean, there wasn't a single time like, wow, non-correlated, generated alpha. That's because you know Bitcoin has had a magnificent 10 years. So 
you have the public, you know, from not knowing a thing about it, 2013, 14, all the way to everyone and their grandmother knowing about it, 20 Thanksgiving, 2017, <laughs> $20,000. And then, you know, from there on, here we go. We got a lot of rides in there. So everybody knows what this is now. And we're just seeing the you know, broker-dealer investment advisory world get this new shiny object, and we're going to figure out what they're going to do with it. I'm still figuring out what you know we can do, how to roll it out, how to package that with a maybe handful of clients that are like, all right, it's go time. And there's a reason for that. Let's talk about the client. So of all your clients, what percent do you think would be interested or are you planning to maybe allocate um, one of these Bitcoin ETFs into their portfolio? Well, and give us a little bit of a primer on like how, how many clients you have, right. how much money you're overseeing. Yeah, we got over 150 households. We're seeing close to 90 to $100 million in assets and uh, under management. Um, but the thing you need to know about my practice is how young it skews. I'm 39, and I would say the average age of our client is uh, mid to late 30s. <clears throat> and, you know, you said in the beginning, like, boomers love, you know, boomers would love this. And I agree with that because. Five years ago, the number of clients that would have a question, want exposure, or think about having exposure was relatively low. And four years from that, you know, I would say one in four clients would want to know more about it. I mean, it just ballooned the interest in this. Um, my point being here, my clients that have exposure don't, don't need an ETF. All right, they've already figured out how to use Coinbase or have already been indoctrinated in how crypto works. But for the clients that do skew older, yeah, there's been some inbound calls that say, hey, this is out. Can we do something with this? How do you use ETFs in general in your portfolios? Yeah, I mean, we use ETFs primarily in our portfolios. Our core risk-adjusted model is maybe six ETFs from large cap all the way down to you know emerging markets and bond funds. We do like to use some active strategies for fixed income. So let's talk about the older clients who have some inbound calls. Um, I had my mom over uh, last Sunday, Joel, and she saw me talking about Bitcoin ETFs on ETF IQ for like three weeks straight. And she's like, you know, someone needs to do a show for me and my friends and talk to us like we're second graders, uh, what this all means. To me, it all just seems like funny money in space. That was her. Internet but, space money. Yeah, yeah, she's close. But she said, I wouldn't have looked at it before because the SEC said it was bad. Now that these are out, I, you know, I'd consider it. That alone. Did to you me, tell her to, to read uh, Chairman's uh, letter? <laughs> I don't recommend. Uh, the only thing I recommend to my mom is just try to keep costs low. I don't really. I don't want to get involved with like pushing my Actual mom and my family members. I don't want. Yeah, but I told her what I think. You know, I, I, you know, it, to me, I'm. It's it's a little like you know religion to me. Mm. It's like I'm gonna believe in the mystery a little bit here. I'm not negative, but I'm not all in. Mm -hmm. But I'm like I I tr I respect it because of how relentless it is, yeah. and how creative and intelligent some of the people in the space are. Yeah. Um, that that is what I think you're kind of betting on. But the older people, when they call you, a was the SEC approval, and you know Larry Fink on Fox talking about it. Was that sort of what made them feel comfortable. And when they ask you about it, are they interested in like a little hot sauce or do they think it's like an alternative to you? Mm -hmm. Or are any of them really into this like Mad Max potential world where all the societies break down and crypt and Bitcoin is the currency that everybody uses? Like in a gold kind of way, right? Yeah. Ah, see, there's the word you yeah. said it. But no, they don't. So I'm glad you said gold. They, they don't think the Mad Max, you know, got to build a bomb shelter, you know, doom shelter in the backyard type scenario. Um, I think a few things. I think 
look, there's bias that I have. I've I've been involved in Bitcoin, you know, and having mined it back in 2014. I've written articles about this. I've shared my thoughts and feelings around this, and clients who've been with me for a while know know my story. So on one hand, they might think like, oh, Doug, Doug likes this, has been doing this, and has been successful in this. Should I follow suit with him? And I urge caution there. You know, just because I've had success in this and took the risk, you know, long ago, doesn't mean you should you know do that. Just don't don't you know monkey see monkey do kind of thing. But you mentioned gold, right? And I think this is the best way. Now, I keep it very simple. I believe that there's room for digital gold, an asset that's an asset class that's digital store of value. Let's just stop right there, right? I think there's space for that. Do you think Bitcoin's half as good, as good, a quarter as good, double as good as gold? Then you can kind of get an idea. If Now, what, depending on what your belief is, you get an idea of where you think it's going to go. All right. I know gold can be turned into jewelry, right? But when you're fleeing a country, you need you want to. Yeah, you're going to interrupt me here. I am because if you charted Bitcoin and gold, um, Bitcoin makes gold look like a money market fund. Yeah. In terms of the chart, sure. <laughs> so I thought that Bitcoin for even boomers would be used as a FOMO cure. Like, <laughs> look, Doug, I don't really care about this, Douglas. Douglas, sorry. We're good. <laughs> it's going to happen. I, <laughs> this might take me a couple tries, Joel. Um, I just know you as Doug. I don't I, know why. I, I, and we every, don't even know each other that well, but you're Doug to me. It's Doug. Okay, Douglas. It's my fault. Okay. I made this hard. <laughs> All right. So, Douglas, listen, I I just don't want to kick myself in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And let's just put 2%. Don't mess with my 60-40. I like that. That's how I think they think. Yep. But that's, the go- that's right. The gold argument to me is a little more like, hey, Doug, put some gold in the fund just because I want something that's non-correlated, possible hedge. It's not always a hedge. No. But gold to me is much more stable. Yeah. It just seems like gold is an alternative and Bitcoin's hot sauce and sure. FOMO cure. Well, two things can be true, <laughs> right? They they can cure their FOMO and get access to an alternative asset class that's non-correlated. I just compare it to gold because it's the best comp that I got. You know, sure, you're right. You know, look at those Look at those performance charts. Then again, Bitcoin's only been around 10 years. So comparing a 10-year timeline to gold's ever existence, you know, is kind of a tough comparison. You've got technology imbued in this thing, the blockchain. You know, you got a lot, you know, is, is Satoshi Nakamoto hiding in a bush around the corner? He's just going to pop out and be like, gotcha! And, you know, boom, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's been suckered. Like, it's in the back of everyone's mind. Let's not kid ourselves. But no, you know, I don't, I don't think that's the case here. But I think both of those things can be true. I think we can view it as a digital form of store of value. And yeah, that's the joke. Like store of value, like look at that chart. How many 80% drawdowns have I lived through? All of like all of them. Like I think three at this point, if not more, you know, and then 50 or 20% drawdowns. Unlimited. Is that something, you know, people look to when they say store of value? And the answer is probably no. But do we get to something that's more steady state after we get to indoctrinating or a mass adoption? I don't think we've adopted, you know, to the degree that, you know, gold or, you know, your main stay asset classes have, not even close to it. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. 
Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. So now that we actually have legit products that you can, you know, trade on, on exchanges, how do you go about evaluating those options? Like which of those yeah. 11 we're yeah. going to we, choose we, Well, in our portfolios, we lean heavy on BlackRock. Shout out, guys. Um, I share it. And I'm agnostic. Like if my client wants Vanguard over, you know, BlackRock. Well, that wouldn't work in this scenario. <laughs> nope, but it would not, you know. <laughs> um, apparently, it's not mature of enough of an asset here. But well, we're talking- Hold on. Just yeah. quick background. So what, what we're referring to is um, Vanguard has a brokerage platform. And they basically said, we will not let the Bitcoin ETFs trade on here, mm-hmm. even though they do allow gold ETFs, Joel. Obviously, Vanguard doesn't love commodities in general because they don't have any actual like intrinsic value. But when it comes to gold, at least there's a use, they say. So Vanguard really, and all the crypto people are triggered. They want to take, they're like, boycott Vanguard is trending. And I'm like, listen, you are not going to take down Vanguard. They're, they get so crazy. Yeah. But I don't. You know, I don't know why Vanguard, in my opinion, Vanguard's just trust their clients a little more. Sure. But they don't allow leverage either. So it's it's somewhat on brand. Vanguard's like a family-friendly audience kind of thing. I but- get it. I mean, I made a joke at their expense because everybody was, let's be honest. You, they got memed by me. But, you know, that that is the point. Like, at least they don't offer those triple leverage, you know, or, or triple long, triple short, whatever, you know, type of risky stuff. So that remains on brand for them. I could see it. Long, and, you know, and the Bitcoiners would be like, long term, this is a terrible move. You know, well, if their clients aren't demanding it. And first of all, like their clients can, you know, buy this in another brokerage account. I mean, the the sensitivity around, you know, Bitcoin maximalists is super high. And I don't fancy myself. It, it, it's also isn't there some irony in them getting uh, pissed off about Vanguard because, hey, we're supposed to be outside of the system. It's a currency outside of the system. And now we're pissed off that someone like the literally the largest asset manager in the United yep. States won't accept us. Isn't that kind of, isn't there a uh, inconsistency there? Well, there's irony that BlackRock has the biggest <laughs> one, you know, and they're the second biggest, you know, or first biggest to pick, pick you know, the day of the week. Um, it just shows you how new this all is and how people are figuring it all out. I'm not sure. 
there's a lot of smart minds at these institutions. But the thing about Bitcoin and crypto is, you said it, how many smart minds are now existing outside of this? I'd say, if you're a Bitcoin maximalist, you're probably pissed off an ETF exists in the first place. Like that is not the spirit of what a decentralized currency called Bitcoin is supposed to be. I mean, it literally was forged in the Occupy Wall Street days. Like fight the banks. Yeah, it, it seems like um, where, like when um, uh, like uh, uh, like back like I don't know twenty years ago when rock bands started selling their songs to commercials. Like you saw like a Led Zeppelin song on a Ford truck, and it pissed people off. Yeah, it's the same vibe. You know, it's like, but I, I think you know, there's also the number go up. Mm-hmm. It's helpful for that. So I can. Sometimes there's there's pure number go up people, but then there's more like I'm in it for the religion and I can see and then some people have both inside of them. Oh, and there's we're like, so tribal. Yeah. We're so tribal in everything now. Like you either are a maximalist or you're a Wall Street suit and I'm wearing a suit today and I'm an OG Bitcoin guy. Yeah. Not I, but not a maximalist. They call me a suit and a boomer. And I'm I'm Gen X and I rarely wear suits, only yeah, on the I'm TV millennial show. And they're, it's our gray hair. They're calling me <laughs> a boomer now. So. Well my, my kid calls anybody over the age of yeah. like seventeen a boomer. A hundred percent. Yeah. So back to nuts and bolts of like how you actually bring this into a portfolio for clients. Like what is this displacing in your client's portfolio? Um, it's replacing large cap equities and uh, developed international. So if you wanted a 5% allocation, the first trade we made um, unsolicited, boomer client calling up, I want 5% exposure in my 60-40 portfolio. Literally that. So that happened. That happened. Nice. That happened. And I saw that- Did they request the actual ticker too? Or just you pick it? I guided them through like okay. what we're thinking and Bitwise was a firm that, you know, actually broke away from our bias towards uh, iShares. I like what Bitwise was doing. I think their CEO is fantastic. You know, I think they're competing very nicely on fees and uh, I love the fact that they're giving money to developers as well. Great story there. Mm-hmm. And that was the trade. And we put that in the portfolio. 3% came out of uh, IVV and uh, 2% came out of uh, IEFA. Wow, that is, dude, this is went, fascinating went, stuff. Went from like super safe to just like full on. Yeah, but 5%, risk. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On also, an alt. Also, in a portfolio that doesn't have alts. Mm-hmm. I mean, really? Is that, is that big? Is that a big deal? Two things on this adding uh, a couple things 60 40, everybody loves it. Love it. That said, I have to explain to crypto people why people love it. They're mm-hmm. like, why would you even use stocks and bonds? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Anyway, they're they they're all in. They can't even understand a sixty forty. But for a normal person, yeah, a sixty forty low cost Vanguardian style portfolio, in my opinion, is actually super beneficial for the behavioral stomach you need for a, a product like this. Because Bitcoin goes up down a lot. Let's say it goes down fifty percent in a year. You don't need to panic that much because it's not your core. It's not what your whole thing is on. Yeah, that was 2.5% drag right there. Whereas back in the day, you would buy a hot portfolio manager, and then when they started going down, you'd panic because that's your kid's college money, and you'd jump into the next one, and the behavior would be awful. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Vanguard really helps solve behavior, not only for the 6040, because they, they never leave there, but for the hot, hot sauce too. It's way easier to behave when you've got that really good deal and you're secure in it. So in a way, I think... The 6040 helps hang in there for an older investor. These crypto people, they're going to hang in regardless. Yeah. But for the older people, it just seems like the 6040 well, helps. You're taking it out of equities, not, not their fixed income right. position. Okay. So you could have been more extreme, I guess, with your 5% take into a Bitcoin ETF. You could have taken it out of intermediate or long duration bonds and been like, hey, we're going from going from the soft stuff to the hard stuff real quick here, <laughs> right? But like- 
you know, your two biggest positions on the equity side in a 60-40 or 80-20 is the international piece and uh, most most of all the large cap equity piece. It, it, but is that a conversation that the, the fact that these are now ETFs enabled, right? Because it, you wouldn't have had this same conversation with this investor if they uh, hadn't have, if you hadn't hold, have had ETFs. Hold the phone. There's a thin line there, right? Like, again, stressing the word education, right? So I fortunately had the knowledge base and the experience in my own dealings with Bitcoin and being an early adopter to provide a level of education to my clients. You you have, in my mind, that duty to explain how things... If client calls you up and wants to know about something that you know about, you know, you're not out there saying, yeah, 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 you got you to gotta sell 10% of your portfolio right now and open a Coinbase account, get that money over there and buy some Bitcoin. I mean, that's not a good day from a compliance standpoint. That, that puts you in hot water. But when clients are saying, how do I do this? I'm going to do this, and I don't want to mess it up. And you have the ability to educate them on how to do it. You do it. That That's your job. You build value that way, even if it comes at the expense of your own portfolios that you're managing for your client. So that interesting line of, oh, man, I love Bitcoin. Let's get the clients in it, too. Let me make sure you know what you're doing. Let me make sure you understand everything there is to know about this and the risk you're taking. We can go deeper than that. Let's understand what this risk means to your financial planning. Because I'm not sitting here as an investment advisor extraordinaire. I'm sitting here as a financial planner extraordinaire. We lead all our relationships and conversations with financial planning, not the investment management piece. This almost comes last. Now, in terms of advisors, I know there's sensitivity to not wanting to have a a, a nasty phone call from a client down the road. Mm. So- I think you know we used to have this phrase like uh, iShares and Vanguard ETFs are like the new IBM. Mm-hmm. You can't be fu- no you can't get fired, fired for buying IBM. IBM. Yeah. This is in the '80s. You can't really get fired for buying a Vanguard and BlackRock ETF. I guess I am a boomer for now. But that, <laughs> <laughs> but that generally applied to stocks and bonds, right? Yeah. And low cost. Is do you worry at all that let's say there's some I don't know uh, a black swan event with crypto, another FTX, it goes down. Um, how worried are you that you're going to get the angry phone call? Or do you have that deep of a conversation yeah. with beforehand that you almost eliminate that? Twofold. You have that conversation. I think you make it very clear what those drawdowns have looked like. And I bring my own experience into that. You know, Mining Bitcoin when it was 400, seeing it go to 20,000, down to three, up to 59, 69,000, down to 20 or 17. And now we're what, 42 today? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> For, I mean, I'm playing Some with house money. There. Yeah, <laughs> I'm playing with house money. Hold right? on, though. In, in your portfolio, though, you, I'm assuming you have a 60-40 base, something like that? For me, it's 80-20. So for the younger clients, right. just crank up that 60-40 to 80-20. Let me ask you this. Let's say you were all in on crypto. Could you have stomached that? No. Okay. So no. Do, do you sort of explain to them, look, we're only going to put a little in here. Like, yeah. You'll live. I don't believe in uh, concentrate. Yeah, outside of your mainstay ETFs like IVV or S&P 500 and, you know what's part of the portfolios. Um, we have conversations around clients, like what do you do with concentration risk of your own company's stock? Clients that work at Netflix or Amazon or your Fangs or Fancy 7, whatever, Magnificent 7, whatever it's called. <laughs> Fancy 7, <laughs> Fancy 5. So, I like Super 7. He Super likes seven. Magnificent 7. I don't like any of it, to okay. be <laughs> um, But what do you do for you know your Roku client who you know, got a yeah. grant and 40% of their net worth is made up of you know RSUs that have vested? You know, I'm not a fan of that. I, I kind of draw a hard line at 20%. I don't like seeing more than 20% of any asset outside of your home um, you know, be 
being in your portfolio unless it's the S and P five hundred or you know your your international developed core fund. Okay. And just and sorry, and the the older investors who come to you and want this exposure, how do they hear about it? Was it reading about the Bitcoin ETF launch? Was it knowing about it from uh, maybe their kids or like what triggered them that they should like maybe now call you? All of the above. I mean, again, if you've been a client of mine for a long time, you know my story with it. I've written about it, you know, my experience, my journey, what it means. I mean, I remember in 2017 writing a piece uh, for, for <clears throat> mainstream financial media uh, titled One Bit uh, One Financial Advisor's Bitcoin Journey. I mean, I didn't know of any other financial advisors who, you know, bought a Bitcoin miner with their buddy in 2013, did this and and held the entire time. Like I forgot about it. And then 20 yeah, then I remember friends calling me up and be like, "Hey, don't you have this stuff? Like congratulating me. I'm just like, this is weird. Like, should I get some? Like, I can't, I can't talk about that. You know, uh, not enough to retire, but you know, and, and you brought up an interesting point, Joel, that, you know, how do I deal with it? This is an outsized position, you know, and I'll get a little personal here. Like we got lucky, you know, my wife and I made a really interesting decision back when we had no money to go on a little adventure with a friend and we paid $3,000 for a Bitcoin miner. Uh, to get some uh, get some of the space money out of the internet, in, internet space in, money, internet no, space, funny money, money in space. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I won't reveal how much that is, obviously, but it turns into you know something that well, compare that to like our four, you know, our four hundred one k or like you know retirement savings. Sure. I mean, how do you, how do you think about that? Is an interesting well, question. How much of the performance made you a believer versus the story? Um, well, because <laughs> that's a great you, question. You know what I mean? Seeing that I've held with it, you know, going from multiple six figures back down to five figures, if not lower, um, I believe in it. I can tell you that without uh, there's conviction. Okay, I I, I have conviction. Um, more than I am, price go up. This is great for for my pocket. But you'd be crazy to think that like I'm gonna sit here before you and not say yay, price go up. <laughs> which which is kind of the interesting position I find myself in. Like we talked about tribes. You're either you know Bitcoin maximalist or Wall Street you know shark you know fat cat suit. And, yeah, I, I'm both. I'm yeah. both. Like you're, I want price up. Like let's get that. Let's get the ETF. Let's get the havening. Let's get this you know supply shock. Let's get this demand from the ETF. Let's watch number go up. You know, I'd I'd like to retire. You know, earlier. You're kidding yourself. But at the same time, you go back, take a look at the technology and what this can provide people. You know, I take a page from the maximalist playbook. I lo- you love to see it. You do love to see it. Two things can. I don't think DeFi can exist without traditional finance. I think it's a symbiotic relationship. So if you're trying to like go one or the other. Oh, you want the you know, the people calling for the end of traditional finance and the Fed, and like, what are you gonna do? Climb to the top of Garbage Mountain to get a cell phone signal so you can like send someone Bitcoin? It doesn't work like that. Like, you can't have the end of the world and Bitcoin. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at invesco.com/qqq. Invesco Distributors Inc. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. 
There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Okay, so you're you're out there looking at the internet, you're watching stuff, and you've got Jamie Dimon on one hand, yeah. Pet Rock. Then you got Larry Fink out there literally telling a reporter, yeah. Wild. well, you know, if you don't trust your government, and that's sort of him like totally orange-pilled, explaining it from the mindset of a total maximalist, and it's like making um, heads explode on yeah. both sides. My head explodes hearing these guys. These are very influential people to advisors and boomers, of course. How do how do you square that? Like, do they ever come to you and say, like, is Jamie Dimon more right than Larry Fink? What's going on here? Oh, I don't know if my clients are getting into, you know, CEO institutional financial institution CEO, you know, battles and what they're saying there. Few and far between. I guess my clients who work in finance, you know, can have an intelligent conversation with me or, or bring it up. But I, I'll I'll agree with you that it's pretty wild to see the dichotomy between Larry and Jamie. Um you know, what are their incentives is the first question that I have. Well, Larry has an ETF, you know, the more flows into that bad boy, the better for BlackRock. I mean, it's pretty simple. I get that. I That part I get. Like Larry's easy to understand. Going out there and saying, if you don't trust your government, I mean, it's factual. If you don't trust your government, by the way, then you want to go buy Bitcoin itself and stick it on a ledger, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't... Larry pings your answer there? Like, yeah, yeah Larry, like... Is it, it's fascinating. Yeah, like, Larry, way to take a page out of the maximalist or the real Bitcoiner playbook here, but it's not going to be in your product well, if that's the case. One question I get a lot from the crypto people on Twitter is, why just not have your own wallet? So as an advisor, can you explain why yes. not just do your own cold yes, storage? Yes, yes, and- yes. This, I think, is the biggest point of all of it and crazy that I didn't get here and I'm glad you brought it up. People, I, I think Bitcoiners and crypto fanboys and girls underestimate how lazy people are. Sure. You know, guys, you know, what did we learn at? I, I did the whole NFT thing as well. And let's go there for one quick second. I remember my wife was like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm checking out the hype around these NFTs. You know, you had to get money onto an exchange to buy Ethereum. I know we're moving away from Bitcoin here to buy Ethereum, to get it to a MetaMask wallet, to go buy a pixelated frog on, you know, OpenSea to then, you know, show it to your friends on your phone. I said, honey, let's see if you can figure this out. Like, I want you to go buy a Boss Beauty or whatever she was into. And, you know, over her shoulder, she, she turned after doing it all, she turned around and looked at me and said, there's not a single friend that I have that would ever in their mind do what I just did sure. to make this happen. And that's probably the most complex like series of transactions. Now like scale it down to just opening uh, an account on Coinbase, getting money from your bank account to Coinbase, and placing an order for the first time on a trustless system. Guys, people don't want to do that. They just don't want to do that. Yeah. They, and, and, they want to outsource it. Yeah. They yeah. don't want to do it. What do they know? Like, I love blockchain technology. I love Web3. It is not easy to get involved unless you have a high degree of acumen when it comes to technology and these types of things. That's such a small piece you know, of the population. But what can most people do? Log into their brokerage account and place a trade for an ETF. Super easy. People love that. 
They love that. And that's why this product exists. So people can do that and for institutions to make money. Are you are you ready for the moment that there's going to be potentially more ETFs and more crypto products on regular normal exchanges? Or are you going to kind of just draw the line at the Bitcoin stuff, or are you going to try and? There should be Bitcoin and Ethereum. I think you know you're too. And that's where you kind of draw it. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't quite go that. I, I don't know enough yeah. about others. If you're like a Cardano person or a Ripple person, yeah. or Litecoin's your thing, or you're like, can you imagine? Hey, honey, I bought some Dogecoin, you know, ETF today. Oh, great! Our allocation looks wonderful. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. No, love you, Dogecoin people. I hope everyone makes money. I truly do. I'm, I'm a, I'm a good guy here. I don't. It doesn't work like that. But yeah, I think uh, you'll see Ethereum next. Um, I think there's some real use cases that will pop up there. I think you know NFTs weren't it as far as showing the world that proof of work and um, you know digital signatures on you know stuff is is going to be very powerful. So we've got these newborn nine ETFs and GBTC. GBTC is bleeding. The newborn nine taking mm-hmm. in money. Let's just say over the next couple months, they even out at about twenty five thirty billion. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll call that the starting line because yeah. all that unlock will be done and we'll be ready to start just yep. inflows mostly. Um, where do you see this going? Like, how big does this get? Just for, for context, gold ETFs mm-hmm. have $100 billion. Yep. That's 1% of all ETF assets. Yep. So let's say we're at $30 billion um, in the summer. Yep. Where do you see this in five, 10 years? Like, you think it'll bypass gold, be about gold or less than gold? Slightly past gold. Okay. I think my conservative case is it's as good as gold. Um, my aggressive case is it's multiples uh, better than gold, but not like a hundred times better than gold. Come on, let's be be easy with that. Um, so, what's the market cap of gold? Ten, what, ten trillion. Ten trillion. So, go, yeah, gold. Also interesting. And going gold, outside the ETFs now. Yeah. Just on the whole. So, if you go more than gold, we'll say one hundred fifty billion. That would put it at two percent of all ETF assets, which is you know again that's healthy. It's an now, aggressive. That's my aggressive, more aggressive case. The also interesting thing is just one more future. Gold ETFs only own one point five percent of the gold above ground, uh, something like that. Yeah. Gold ETFs. I mean, Bitcoin ETFs already own like four percent of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. If you go to Goldian levels, you get to ten, fifteen, twenty percent of all Bitcoin. Um, how? It's interesting. What do you make of that? Like, is it possible the ETFs eat up the market a little too much, and then there's like. Uh, a lot more volatility because there's less actual traders. I mean, I'll put my you know tinfoil hat on here and say you know you got institutions getting involved. I mean, they're they're gobbling. You know, what was it this morning? How what does uh, BlackRock have in uh, fifty thousand Bitcoin supporting their ETF right now? I mean, you put enough Bitcoin in the hands of institutions. I mean, take a look, take a look at the gold ETF and what happened. You know, in the years leading up, that can, can they manipulate? Can they move? Can they shift their weight around? Can they body some things? And I think the answer is yeah. But look at who's selling their Bitcoin out of Bitcoin holders. Guys like me are are not, you know, going to touch this forever. And that that supply is is going to be ha- eventually. I think it's going to get hard to tap. We've managed to go almost full Bitcoin in this segment, so I want to bring it back. <laughs> Imagine a client comes to you and says, "Do not use the word Bitcoin or crypto in the conversation with me." What are you going to have? What, what kind of conversation are you going to have with them about what's happening in the world and markets and portfolio construction? Right? I mean, that's ninety nine percent of my conversations right now. It's like Bitcoin and crypto is not being <laughs> used here. You know, um, again, it's a lot of self selection. You got clients who have already come in. It's a younger base. They're informed. I don't have to. You know, they've already educated themselves, or we've had the conversation around what this is and what they should do. 
Um, so your answer is go find a different financial advisor? No. If they don't want to talk about it, we're not going to talk about it. I'm not here to put any product down any client's throat at any time. I think if I start doing that, regardless of the product, I'm not doing my job. Do you get clients who get jealous of the Qs? Let's say they hold S&P 500 and the Qs are like double. Yeah. Do they ever go, hey, why aren't we buy that instead? No, that also doesn't come up. The, the beautiful part of leading with financial planning is that you give people an understanding of how they get to their goals, what rates of return they need, the levels of risk that they're going to take to achieve those rates of return, and then they get back to their very busy lives. All right, We love talking about this. You know, go talk to your friends who don't work in finance, who have, you know, a couple kids, maybe three kids, and go try and have the level of conversation, even a fraction of the level of conversation. Not going to happen. You're going to talk about football. You're going to talk about the kids and their school or whatever. It's just not going to happen. Boomers, however, they get to read. They got a lot of time on their hands, especially if they're retired. Yeah. You know, so maybe you'll get a few more inquiries from them around this ETF. But for my clients, um, they know where I stand. Um, they're pretty savvy. I think they've already, you know, the ones I expect to have exposure already have exposure, which is interesting. Final question. What is your favorite ETF ticker? Ooh. Right now it's QQQ. Oh, you mean like what's yeah. my favorite like for like, oh, yeah. novelty ticker. Yeah, like forget investment. Yeah, Just yeah, yeah. I, I understood but, that. But also wrong. a tell. I like the Q's answer. Was, yeah, was, as far as like what's hot, yeah, that. Yeah. But as far as like what's my favorite. People love ETF tickers, so we just try to end on a, on a sort of. Oh, God, I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, but for a vanity plate, wasn't there a nerd out there? Yeah. Mm. yeah, that That's was, good. That was a good one. Look at you. I'm you, a that nerd. That was one of the best answers. Yeah. That's a video game ETF, Joel, that yeah. is now defunct. Yeah. yeah. I think. Oh, that's Whether it I'm is sure. or it isn't. You know, that one was cool. I saw some hats with nerd on it. By yeah. the way. Did you notice that there's only two ETFs and Bitcoin ETFs that have like Q tickers, HODL and BRRR? Yes, yeah, smart. The rest, I thought, were sober on purpose because you could have fun with tickers here. But I thought they were sober, Fidelity, BlackRock, because they want to. Yeah, uh, that's not... a hedge against like this goes awry, yeah. and like they even yeah. named it Burr, or, yeah. like hot. <laughs> or also, you know? the Bitcoin's crazy enough. Yeah, you don't need to add the ticker on top. I mean, have yeah. you have you met BlackRock's compliance department? <laughs> How many lawyers are there? Yeah, do you see their they, they the videos and like the way they're presenting it? Um, it's so fascinating showing like BlackRock marketing. Yeah. To the crypto crowd. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh my god, this makes me want to fall asleep. But they're like, hey, wait, guys. This is how you talk to old people. And it's just funny them talking amongst oh themselves God. about these like older people like getting into their business. And it's such a clash of cultures. I, I find it endlessly fascinating. I went to a BlackRock uh, influencer day. They got a bunch of uh, you know Twitter accounts and TikTok accounts. us all together. They were debuting their lifestyle uh, target date ETFs. Invited us all down to the exchange, do a bell ceremony. And I remember I'm now in BlackRock's new headquarters. And everybody that was, I mean, we're weeks, months out from, uh, this is maybe a couple months ago. And all I wanted to ask people was about the Bitcoin ETF. It was lock and key. Like, we cannot, will not talk about sure. that. Almost with like, a, a, I could almost sense the smirk behind it. Because they like, someone, someone knew it was coming. And it came. Douglas Bonaparte, thanks for joining us in Trillions. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you'd like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weppershow. He's at Eric Balchunas. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendrickson. Bye.
You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.